Welcome to Hearing Your Side, a podcast for friendly conversations about controversial subjects. I'm your host, Brad Miller, and today we're continuing our conversation about parenting, this time from the perspective of a father and an educator. My guest is my friend Ian, who has two children, but also works at a school for children with mental and behavioral difficulties. We talked a lot about discipline, both with his own family and with his students, how to deal with bullying, measuring the aptitude of a student, how much to share about your children on social media, and handling the vaccination controversy. I hope you enjoy the conversation. How's it going, Ian? Well, sir, how are you? <laughs> Good. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. We are in your basement at a Spider-Man-themed bar. It looks way cooler than it sounds. <laughs> this is definitely a first for the <laughs> podcast. We are hiding out down here from your wife and your kids so that we can discuss hot fathering action. That sounds really steamy. <laughs> Let's see. We're if having we're having oolong tea while we do it, but uh, it's really cool down here. Well, I, I like you. this. I like the setup. But um, before we get into the stuff about fathering and your two kids, I kind of want to talk about school discipline because you actually are a teacher. Teacher background. My job is technically a milieu coordinator. Okay. So, so can you explain what that is then? Uh, as best I can, I work at a school. We go pretty much kindergarten through high school, and it is for individuals with autism and under the autism spectrum disorders along with mental health issues and behavioral difficulties. So these are a lot of times the kids that are kind of kicked out of the public school system or they have difficulty with fitting in with the main you know school system. Yes. So yes, yes. was that something that you kind of went after? The path eventually got me there because originally I was going to be a gym teacher. My, oh, okay. So I went from going to be a gym teacher to an elementary school teacher. Then I had some exposure to the special ed world and then the ES, as we call it, emotional support population. Oh, okay. And once I found that and, you know, exceptionalities, it is way more fun. <laughs> okay. Way more fun and interesting. Okay. So it keeps your life kind of interesting. Absolutely. The, the thing, so I was talking to a friend of mine the other day who was reminiscing about being in Catholic school when he was a kid and getting his head smashed into a uh, <laughs> chalkboard by a nun and just, you know, fond memories of things like that. <laughs> and, and he was talking about, you know, how that part of it he doesn't uh, approve of but that one thing that was <laughs> one thing that happened is when he would go home to his mom she would say well what did you do yeah and this is something that i feel like is a difference between now versus then that i kind of want to pick your brain on is there was a time i feel like when parents sided with the school and it seems like um now they side more with the kid uh, this is just a generalization it is a true one and it is a sad one and it, it's funny I went to my son's school for his open house. Mm -hmm. He's in second grade. Mm -hmm. And we saw it from the teacher. He essentially every day has to do a journal assignment. Mm -hmm. They all do. Mm -hmm. And when they're done with the journal assignment, they're expected to put that away and go get something to read. Parker likes to read more than he likes to write. Mm -hmm. So we looked at his journal, and it's pretty empty. Mm -hmm. And we're like, whoa, what is this? Right. And he's been sort of nodding his head like, yeah, I'm, I'm done with this. 
when he hasn't done it. So right. he's sort of lying to the teacher. He's on an honor system. Right. And it's okay. like, yeah. are you done? He nods his head and goes get a book. And he reads quietly. Right. We're like, whoa, this is a big problem. Like, mm-hmm. give us the journal book because he's going to make up all these days he missed. Right. And he's going to have additional punishments. Please call, email. This stuff cannot go on for one more second. But and you're we, saying she expected maybe that you would be – Oh, it's it's obviously your fault. It's obviously the school's fault. Or it, it was, like and she didn't really want to tell us. And then she said, "No, no, you like he doesn't have to make up the stuff. I, I'm just telling you." So. And we're at the Probably. other hand, like, no, 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 absolutely not. You know, we know our kid. We know he's far from perfect, and decent student. But he did this. He needs to be accountable. And she's tiptoeing around the fact that my kid was insubordinate, not doing his assignments, right. and needed this should be called out, fixed. Right. He's to blame. Uh, or maybe some part we're to blame right. also and didn't want to sort of lay that out there. Right. So that's you as a parent. But when you're teaching, you know, or when you're in school dealing with discipline, you know, what, what's your approach then? We definitely do things a little more by individual basis because our kids come from such a different background, mm-hmm. a lot of significant trauma. So doing the wag your finger and raise your voice and yell, mm-hmm. I'm not saying that's right or wrong. I'm saying it's probably more applicable to a typical kid you haven't banged any heads into chalkboards and uh no no you, you may think those things i've plenty <laughs> staff that think those things but yeah. maintain their professionalism okay cool yeah it's one of those internal filters i suppose gotcha. yep but yeah if you take that approach with our population that i work with right they've been raised with that right the yelling the beating the abuse a lot not all of them but mm-hmm. so they know that so if you think you're going to raise your voice and that's going to have an effect you're just putting your little line on the sand, mm-hmm. and then they're going to jump right over it. And now mm-hmm. you have this battle. So that's not the approach with them. What do you like to go to? I still like to be very direct and straightforward with people in general, and particularly my own kids and the kids I work with. But along with that, I build what I believe is an excellent rapport with all of them. And we all do, not just me, like I'm some special person. Sure. But everybody at the school I work at takes a huge investment in the kids themselves so you have to build the rapport there they could be standoffish and you know because of the people they've met in the bad experiences so it takes a long time to build trust and value towards each other so if you start off and you come at them a certain way it's ultimate failure immediately okay because you're just lumped in with a lot of bad experiences and people they've encountered so i heard you say to your son before we came down here no but i love you and you told me that that was a, a phrase that you like to use a lot with your with the students too. It's, yes, it's not it's not yes to everything, but it's it's no, but I love you. So can you explain that a little bit? Like, yes, I'm actually. Well, I wrote it. I'm going through the edits of a, a children's book manuscript, and it it's called "No, But I Still Love You." Oh, good. Okay. So <laughs> it's kind of kind of funny. I don't want mentioned. to spoil any of that, but it, you know. And I actually say that to my children, but it started out in the school setting, and I don't say I love you. I say no, but I still like you. Ah, okay. You don't want an HR violation? Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) And I developed that because they're used to hearing no a lot. Mm -hmm. And people think no is negative. And it's not. It's kids need rules. They need boundaries. They need parameters. Without that, they run amok. It's chaos. And nobody wins. So you have to tell them no. You have to say what you mean, and you have to mean what you say. Mm -hmm. So I I put that spin on it years and years ago. And you, you see it makes a difference in their face when you tell them because they're used to hearing no and they either walk away defeated mm. or they just automatically have this harsh rebuttal right. response like to shut you. shut down or put up a wall. Or, yeah. yeah. So when they ask me for something that, hey, can I have a piece of candy? And it's not the time or place. It's, 
no, but I still like you. So I want them to take away, no, you can't have this in this moment, but feel free to ask me questions all the time because the the answers are not always going to be no. Right. So I don't want you to hear no, and then it's, well, he doesn't like me, and I'm not ever asking him again because I don't want that environment. So by saying no, I still like you, that means, oh, okay, no to this. And he does like me. It's a nice thing to say. Mm-hmm. It's a compliment. I'm in the good yeah. graces. That means I'm comfortable going back and asking, hey, can you walk me to the bathroom? Of yeah. course I could do that. That's a reasonable request at that right. time or place. And so. I assume it's not just a line that you're using. Like, you can't just teach someone this line and it magically works out. It sounds like it's like a philosophy kind mm-hmm. of that you have. And, yeah. and, and and are you reinforcing that in kind of other ways throughout the year with kids? Like Absolutely. Because as kids progress... And sometimes in the tiniest of steps, it's hard for adults and it's hard for kids, students, whatnot, to see that progress. Mm -hmm. So I like to reflect with those kids. So when I've had Mm -hmm. students that have been around for two years, five years, Mm -hmm. six years, it's kind of fun when I say, hey, do you remember (laughs) this? And I basically point out in a joking fashion, like, do you remember what a train wreck you were? Mm -hmm. Like, what? I'm like, you used to do this. Every morning, I said, good morning. And you said, F you, for literally (laughs) seven months every single school day. You remember those times? Yeah. And they giggle, and they're like, what are you talking about? Like, you don't remember these. Like, yeah, this is an honest account. Mm -hmm. And now, people say good morning, and you're this amicable, pleasant individual. You do this. Remember, you used to throw chairs and put holes in the walls. And now you're just a delightful student. So and you're, then you're telling the parents that. You're also telling the students that. I tell of, everybody. Right. I tell them from the to, parents, the other staff, the new staff that don't know the history of this kid. I do it to the kid to let them know where they've been and where they've made it to. Okay. So they, they see the progress. Because like yeah. I said, it's, it's difficult to see the forest through the trees sometimes. Right, yeah. And I get this <laughs> bewildered look. And this smirk on their face and then this honor. Oh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> That's great. And it is. And it's yeah. like, wow, okay. Then I am doing pretty good. Yeah. I, wa- <laughs> I wasn't fit for society. And yeah. now I am. Well, way to go me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Well, one thing that you told me that I kind of was surprised by was that you're very anti-bullying. And, and it's not that I think that you're a bully. But you are, I mean, we, we are we are in your house here. I'm surrounded by nunchucks of different sizes. You could probably talk about the... We, we did have to move three pair of nunchucks we did. off it, the bar it, table. And it is nunchucks, right? Not yes. numchucks. No, okay, just no. to cl- clear or the Or nunchaku sticks. Oh, okay. But you're a big martial arts guy. You're a big uh, UFC fan. You've got yes. uh, lots of tattoos and Bruce Lee posters and all this stuff. So the assumption might be this guy probably is rough around the edges, and when kids are pushing each other or whatever, you're kind of like, ah, just just shake it off. But you told me, no, I'm anti-bullying. So can you talk about kind of your, your stance on bullying? Yeah, bullying is really, really an awful, pervasive problem in our country. And not that we haven't had this problem for a lot of years in every culture in the world, but the problem with today is we have new forms to do it. Cyberbullying uh-huh. wasn't a thing okay, right. 30 mm-hmm. years ago. Mm-hmm. So we still had this. But now the fact that communication is at our fingertips from all the media outlets, social network outlets, in-person, phone, texts, uh, sending a, a photograph via your phone mm-hmm. of something intimidating. Most of those The things. bully can reach you no matter uh, where you yes. are, basically. Right. So it's not just... You don't leave uh, it at school. Yeah. It's exactly that point that, oh, no, i got to have gym class with 
this kid Teddy and he just abuses me and gives me wedgies and tells me he's gonna shove me in a locker you know that's the old school that's old school after school special and now it's I have kids coming in terrified and they didn't leave terrified and I'm thinking what went on and then they're telling me they were on a text or email chain and then social media and now this person said they're gonna do this to me and then there's weapons involved because kids now have unfortunately a lot more access to weapons so Mm. things have become real and Mm. we also see the response to bullying and the way of mass shootings Mm. and whatnot so that's another part that's so disturbing Mm. when everybody points the finger at this shooter this individual Mm -hmm. that did these awful things and brought a knife a gun and it terrifies everything well those people were made and it's unfortunate. We uh, make them. Yeah, I, I'll be very real for a second. This is a memory that I have that I'm not proud of, but I remember being bullied, you know, in school. And just, you know, I was a geeky kid and it made fun of for those reasons, whatever. But I, <laughs> but I remember having a toy gun at home and, like, looking in the mirror and pointing the toy gun at the mirror. And it made me feel better thinking mm-hmm. that if I were to, like, put fear into these bullies. Yeah. And I never did anything about it. You know, yep. my, my parents instilled certain morals in me that would prevent me from going past a certain line. Mm-hmm. But I did have the thought of, I wish I could scare them. Yeah. Make them feel bad the way they make me feel bad. So, like, there is something in that. And that's a, that is such an honest reaction to it. I feel bad. I want to make you feel bad. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's not abnormal. I'm getting bullied. I want it to stop. You know what? Let me run through some quick ideas on how to make this stop or to get revenge, to hurt people as much as they hurt me. And it switches from, well, you you really hurt me, maybe not as much physical or maybe so, but emotionally. Mm -hmm. And that's on 11 when you're young. Yeah. You don't have as many tools in the toolbox of what am I going to go to if I need to react to this. Yeah. You know? People don't realize how devastating the emotional and embarrassment level bullying brings, right. which is way more scarring and painful than the physical. You heal, right. you know, I get punched a little bit, like, yeah. that hurts, I don't like it, but now the fact that, is this going to happen again yeah. tomorrow? I'm so, not going to sleep tonight. I'm not going to sleep for a month. Yeah. Like, as an adult, though, I look back now and think it's silly, and that's maybe where adults will react badly when kids are bullied and say, ah, shake it off and stuff like that, because now, as an adult, it is silly to me to think that anybody could make a comment that would drive me to tears or, you know, crush me like that. But when I was 15 or whatever, and that's my entire world, Mm -hmm. is just the friends I have and what they think of me, that is crushing. You know, you see kids that want to commit suicide because a girl broke up with them. That's their world. Yes. Right? So it's kind of like, it's. I think it's easy for adults to look back and say, like, why can't they just grow out of it or whatever? And I think partially because you are ultra sensitive at that point. Yeah, your life values and what you place importance on just changes through your whole life. So as adults, you're right. like, oh, that was so insignificant. But right. at the time, yeah. it was very significant. But what do you define as bullying? Because I feel like some of those lines are shifting where people are now saying that almost anything is bullying. You know what I mean? Like almost anything is harm and danger and scary and... It's hard for me not to to laugh some of that stuff off. So, like, what what do you treat as real and fake harm? Uh, or, or do you draw a line, you know? You know what? You asked such a good question. And actually, I spent a lot of time because we had to 
I, I worked on writing a definition of bullying, and I wish I had it word for word written in okay, front of me. Sure. And I did it with staff and students. It was a process. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I don't have it in front of me, but we also live in this new world of hypersensitivity. Well, that's what I'm kind of getting at is I hear a lot of things compared to harm mm-hmm. that I don't think are harm that I feel like you could shake off. You know, yeah. I'm going to almost devil's advocate myself because I was just saying, you know, there are real, real things, but defining what is and what isn't harmful, I think is more and more important now. Yeah. And again, the pendulum always swings from one extreme to the other. It never stops in the middle, which I wish it would for anything, but it doesn't. So back in the day, it was suck it up, buttercup, (laughs) (laughs) which is a phrase I still use. What did you do with my kids? Suck it up, buttercup? Yeah. Okay. That's the other one besides uh, I still like you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Double dose. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So there's that extreme. But I feel like even there are times when suck it up, buttercup would be appropriate. Yeah. And there are times when it wouldn't. And so you're probably right that there is like a nuanced approach to this, but can you paraphrase your definition or, or can you loosely kind of talk about what you think the real dangerous types are? I mean, you- yeah, I would say that it's physically, emotionally, mentally intimidating someone else. Okay. I would also say that it's pervasive, more repetition and ongoing. Right. I, I hear that a lot. Which makes it more so. The other factor that needs to be considered is unwanted. Okay. Now, that one is overlooked. Like two friends that know each yes. other, like, you know, ribbon each other. That's it's exactly. Right, if, right. I, if I say something about your shirt, your glasses, and I insult you, and then you insult me back, and I insult you, and we go back and forth, we already have this understanding that even if I get mad at you, like you hit, we'll say, below the belt, and I get mad, there was still an understanding, and it was not unwanted. Maybe that specific comment was unwanted, mm-hmm. but in general... I, I played a part in this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, but it's it's easy to say, I do this to you every day, and you don't want this. You don't participate back. Right. You say, leave me you alone. You can tell the person stop it. isn't joking with you. Yeah, that's unwanted. So if I keep going, it's no longer banter. It's no longer friendship. It's right. no longer something else. Like, I am know, a bully at that point. Busting your chops kind yeah. of thing. Guys talk about doing that a lot. And I find that style of humor really funny. Whenever yes. guys who want to do that yeah. are sitting around busting each other, it's really, to me, hilarious. It is. It is. But And it's camaraderie like in that say, form. It's also almost there's an agreed upon. Mm-hmm. Like if someone were to come into the room who's not part of that crew, the assumption can't be, well, let's start busting him the same way. Because exactly. they may not be mm-hmm. that on that level. I think that's that's probably a good way to put it. It almost reminds me of the I still like you thing. Because yeah. between those friends, there's a sense <laughs> that they're going to go home friends. Mm-hmm. True. And here's an example of what I would not call bullying that we're taking it to that level. If whether we're in a class, we're doing something, we work together, it doesn't matter what it is. And I say, hey, I don't like you at all. Mm -hmm. Don't talk to me. Don't come. I don't like you. Leave me alone. Mm -hmm. People are saying, well, you run back and say he's bullying me. Well, that's not. I mean, it's a harsh fact. It might hurt Mm -hmm. your feelings. Mm -hmm. That's not bullying you. I don't like you. And you maybe you're want to talk to me you want to do this that's it's not just nice. me yeah it's right maybe i'm not the best person uh <laughs> and, communicate. yeah uh, there's nicer ways to say it right. or communicate right. uh, you know i could be a jerk but it right. doesn't make me a bully and that's where people they raise it to, to that level yeah they say well he bullies me well it wasn't pervasive you know it doesn't happen i i didn't intimidate you mm-hmm. i simply said i don't like you mm-hmm. i don't like working with you i don't like sharing this bar table with you Right. I don't want to be around you. I'm going to walk away now. Like, these you, aren't bullying yeah. tactics. Do you see that from time to time where a kid will just tell another kid, hey, I don't like you? Yeah. You know? 
Yeah. It, it does suck to hear that, but... Yep. And they say it in the harshest way. <laughs> I mean, right. even though what I said no sort of sounded mean, they add like four or yeah. five curse words right, into right, that right. chain. Yeah. And again, it's even more mean. Yeah. I'm a big old meanie, but it doesn't make yeah. me a bully. And that's where the kids, even adults actually... They're like, well, he was bullying, and I yeah. say, run me through this scenario. Ah. If I, have to, I do a lot of mediation and problem solving. Okay, right, right. My job, pretty much when things go really bad, they call me on a walkie-talkie. Yeah. And I go try to solve those, yeah. or I disseminate resources yeah. in a team that can do that also. Yeah. Now, do you ever tell the kid, well, you messed with that kid, so what did you expect? Exactly. Because I, yeah. I actually saw you do this with your own son the other day, mm-hmm. and, I, and it stuck with me. Because you have, uh, what, what are your children's ages just for the audience? You know, Seven and two and a half. Okay. <laughs> so you've got the two and a half one who's really bold Very. at playing with the seven-year-old. But occasionally he'll Amen. get knocked down. And the other day he came over and said, you know, my brother knocked me down. And you said, <laughs> well, you played with the big boys. And sometimes that happens. It was interesting because then I, I kept thinking about that. I was like, hmm, that's an interesting response is... You know, when you go and start a fight with someone like that. Now, obviously, yeah. that's not quite the same situation, but uh, talk about that a little it, bit. Because well, I, I, I found that to be an interesting, interesting <laughs> tactic where it was like, yeah, but you did attack someone bigger than you. <laughs> yeah, and here's, and here's the correction. Here's the corrective feedback, if you will, that I give to both of them. Because we have seven and a half and two and a half. Right. And like you said, the two and a half, he will walk up to the seven and a half sometimes and he'll sucker punch him in the face while he's on the iPad. <laughs> of course. As you do. Yeah. Out of the blue and yeah. then he yeah. gets the tar smacked out of him uh-huh. and the response I give to both of them, right. uh, Parker's the older one and I'm like, Parker, he's only two. Right. You're seven. Okay. Come on now. You, like, you need that. to know right. that wasn't okay and I'm not saying there's not ways to handle this but you, you gotta not... have kid gloves. He's uh-huh. two years right. old. You're seven. So yep. that's the quick feedback I give to him. Right. And then the phrase, one of my favorites that I often give to the little one, Daddy hit me in the face. You mess with the bull, you get the horns. <laughs> that's the part that, that really shocked me. But I was like, there is some logic to that. Come which on Which is, you can't expect necessarily to walk through life and not have these problems. And there are ways that you could mitigate getting punched. Yeah. Probably. And yeah. one of them is to not start punching other people. Yeah. You know what I mean? And little things like that, maybe it's good to give them early of, okay, yeah, I don't want people to punch you, but also don't go, go looking for that. I try to you know? bring my kids up to be realists. And, <laughs> and even though you're two years old or smaller or lesser in stature or whatnot, I mean, you're not a victim. So people think based on all those factors, um, Sometimes they even equate females as being weaker, which I don't agree with, but society sometimes says that. They'll say, well, this is a female. This is a child. This is a smaller person. This is a weaker person. This is this. Well, that doesn't automatically put you in the victim category. Mm. Just because you did something to antagonize and then it didn't work out for you, Mm. suddenly it's sort of like, well, you started this. Again, you mess with the bull, you get the horns. Why did you go down? It's not like you were minding your own business and then happened. Then, hey, I'm all for this can't happen. This is bullying. This is unacceptable. But So sometimes when that kid says, I don't like you, go away, do you tell that other kid, yeah, maybe – Maybe that's how it's going to be between you and them. <laughs> I, don't, yeah. I, don't, I don't know. You know, like uh, I might give them tips on this is how you make friends. So it might be a, a social development issue. So I'm going to walk you through steps on how to make friends because you're right. not good at it. Uh-huh. And I'm going to teach you these skills. And then I might say to the other kid, 
that was kind of a harsh response. Right. Is there another way yeah, you yeah, could yeah, talk yeah. to him to? Yeah. You don't. I'm not telling you to like him or be friends at all. Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying, can you give him a nicer mm-hmm. PC answer yeah. that you don't want to be around him? And then, you know, I and I explained the other one. Even even though I taught you these new skills now on how to make friends. It might not work every time because if somebody doesn't want right. to be a friend, right. they don't want to be a friend. And that, and that's, that's reality. That's the part I'm getting. At. I hope people don't think that I'm saying like I want everybody to just suck it up, you know. Um, but that there will be times when it won't work out for you, nope. and it's probably good for you to f- to have an approach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Not yeah. to be like, well, I was never told about this. It's like, well, start start seeing that. Yeah, that, that that may occasionally happen. Take a different angle. As bad as it, you know, it's it's the phrase I keep hearing is, do you prepare the the child for the road, or do you prepare the road for the child? And and it seems like some people would like the the road to be soft and nice, and that's just not realistic I, to me. And that's like a you fictional said, world. Right, you, you talked about realism, and I feel like that's kind of the the thing that I do like about your approach. There is that you're trying to you don't want mean people to be out there. You don't no. want bullies, but you also don't want kids who cannot deal with bullies. Yeah, there's an assertiveness that needs to get developed in the victim, mm-hmm. and there's. There's a, a change in mentality you need to help develop in the bully. Mm-hmm. So we were talking about harsh advice and something that you <laughs> talked about with me before that that uh, you could probably clarify was uh, with intelligence of your students that okay. occasionally you will have to tell a parent. I, I don't want to phrase this for you, but it's something to do with how is the kid developing the aptitude, not, the, uh, the aptitude, the aptitude of, the of the child, right? And and you'll sometimes break it to the parents of, look, he's probably going to be in this category. Yes. yes. And, and and I remember you saying that, and it, and it raised a lot of questions in my mind about uh, how much is the the kid, and how much is the system. You know, I I always question this. Can any kid just automatically succeed at everything? Nope. Probably not. <laughs> so, but but you said that you don't mind occasionally telling parents. Uh, this is probably where he's going to be. So can you talk about that a little bit? I, I want to give you a chance to explain that in your way because I probably butchered it. You know? Okay. You know, I work predominantly in the special education world. So there's a fair amount of meetings. And I've sat in the room with a parent, parents, advocates, caregivers, all these different people come together. Mm-hmm. And they're reviewing the academics and the progress of the student, mm-hmm. their child. And there's... IQ. We can't ignore an IQ range. Do we try to bump that up and do we educate individuals? Of course, we're always working in that direction, but Mm -hmm. people have a ceiling. Uh, uh, Am I a smart guy? Eh, who knows? Am I a dumb guy? (laughs) (laughs) Eh, you know, I can tie my shoes. That's the two checkboxes on the IQ test, right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. There's nothing in between. I I can manage to feed myself, tie my shoe, and get home every day. So that's that's where I'm maxed out. Yeah. But. Am I going to be Bill Gates, uh, Elon <laughs> Musk? No, no, no. I'm pretty I, – I, I know this. I, okay. I have enough insight to say Elon Musk is a little bit smarter than me. <laughs> okay. He's, he's light years ahead. I might have some other – you know what? I have a pretty good nose. It's, it's nice, right, and I'll, right. I'll take pride in that. There you go. But, and people need to know we do have ceilings. Do we want to inspire people and push them? Yes, we do. But I sit in meetings, and it agitates me when the student is, say – 13 years old. Mm-hmm. They're in that 7th, 8th grade range. And I find out that the teachers and other professionals essentially are placating these parents. And they're giving Just them... telling them that, like, false hopes? Is uh, that what uh, yeah, you're kind yeah. Of getting at? They're, they're giving them these hopes like, oh, you know what? They're coming along and they're making progress, which, yes, they are. Sure. But it's in comparison to themselves. 
It's not in comparison to the norms or what society has for certain jobs. And, you know, if you want to be a medical doctor, you got to go through a lot of stuff and know a lot of information. And when there's people with this level, whatever, lower IQ, and they're in high school and they're reading at a first or second grade level Mm -hmm. and they're having trouble with math computation, and then we have educators, trained professionals, they're saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because mom and dad are, I want my kid to be a doctor, be a doctor and, a, and an right. attorney and a physicist. Right. And then I see these professionals, and I, it's happened too many times. And I look across the table, and they're, well, yeah, yeah, we could work on that. And that, and these parents are now prepping them for six years of college. Mm-hmm. We're talking mm-hmm. postgraduate work. I have to put the brakes on this. And I look like the bad guy. I don't want to be mm-hmm. the bad guy. But I am, again, I try to be a realist. And we're not doing anybody favors in the long run because this dream will crash. So you think it, it's not going to, it's right, not like right. we could just tell these people what's on the other side of the fence because we know they're never ever going to the other side of the fence. You're building all this hope in your child, yourselves, whatnot, and then they're not going to get accepted at a college or university okay. anywhere. And now you just crushed everybody's dreams, not to mention. Look at the time you've wasted. Or money, right. Time, money, effort you've wasted when you could have taken another very viable option in life. I mean, we have people of all walks of life and all jobs. And, you know, every job's important. We need people. I used to be a garbage man. And it's an important job. If nobody takes your garbage, we have a major problem in the world. Yeah. So people... I don't like to look at, like, well, this job is a lesser one of this. Right, right, right. Yeah, so. I feel that way, too. I feel like not enough emphasis is put on trades and trade schools and all those things that are yeah. immediate jobs that are needed everywhere and in high demand. Yep. However, they're not glamorous. They're Correct. not as high-paying, maybe. Mm-hmm. But they are, like, you can get that right now. Yes. You know, without a million dollars mm-hmm. of debt hanging over you. Yep. You can get the quick, you know, and I and I, and I feel like that never gets discussed. But... um. So going back to that that harsh advice that you give, it, it even struck me as harsh, and I'm kind of open to the harsh advice, but I hear what you're saying. You're coming at it from a standpoint of it is better for you to know now mm-hmm. this stuff and kind of start directing yourself in that path. Is that kind of where you're coming from? Like, it is. You'll be the only guy in the room saying this, but for, for that reason, because you want them to... It's good intentions. I, do I have to be the one that pulls the Band-Aid off? I do want to yank it off. I, I'm going to try to prep the conversation you know we're talking and it sounds like i'm super harsh right. uh, but i'm but i'm not i try to cushion the blow as much as i can but i do have to speak the truth in that fashion and i've had parents the reactions have been all over the place i have parents literally break down in tears immediately mm-hmm. i have parents look at me like i have three heads <laughs> and what what are you t- who, who are you crazy person this is the seventh teacher my child has had in their academic career and they've all told me this and, and now you're, you're the first one and you're say, saying this so right. clearly you're wrong. Now, when I don't that know happens, what you're talking about. Sorry, can I stop you just for one yep. second? When that happens, and they've said no other teacher before has ever said this, at that point, you have to be a real man of your convictions because yeah. you're the first person to say this, and you, you're you holding on to this philosophy that this is better for them to hear now. And yeah. literally everyone else is against you in that moment. Do you feel the weight of that, or have you, mm. you just burned that part out of you maybe? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, <laughs> to be honest... No, that it doesn't bother me. I, I have to tell them like all those people were wrong. Okay, like it's not like just because I'm one against seven. Right. I'm telling you point blank. Might make they were right. <laughs> they were wrong. Right, and and I'll, I'll add they had good intentions and they are going to try their best and they are going to have your kid live up to their aptitude and they're going to die trying. So it's mm-hmm. not like they have poor 
intentions or poor efforts. Right. They're doing their doggone job right. as they should. Right, right. But I do have to say, if you were misled in any way right. by them in that fashion, that is incorrect. Mm-hmm. So sorry that happened, and sorry I'm the one that pulled the Band-Aid off. Where do we go from here, and let's have the real conversations, because I don't want to waste any more of your time, right. your child's time, and let's figure out, you know, this isn't a dead end. Yeah. I, you know, am I putting a little damper on some plans? Yes, but we got plenty of time to re-steer this ship to go sure. in another really cool destination. Right. And, and then we go from there. Yeah. And, and and speaking of that, you've been doing this long enough. Have you seen the results of that? Because you've now had students for years. Have you ever followed up with where some of those students yes. who you gave that advice to and are in a trade job or something like that down the line but are actually yeah. doing well? I mean, can you talk about that? Yeah, I've had... It's always super nice when you had a student when they were younger, and then out of the blue, they come back when they're like 20 years old. They sometimes stop at our school, and they ask if certain staff are still there. And we have a pretty decent turnover rate for the field I'm in. And, you know, I'm going on my 19th year at the school. I didn't even realize that, yeah. So, By the way, your age is impossible to determine because you have a bald head. Completely, completely bicked head, and so it wasn't until some point somebody told me, "Oh yeah, Ian's forty uh, something." I was like, "He's what?" It's it's the best thing you can do, I think, is look as old as possible as fast as possible. It would be my advice to the young men listening. It puts a ceiling on you. It puts a ceiling on you <laughs> that people eventually no get knew, used to. No one knew how old uh, Patrick Stewart was for years. Yeah, it's it a mystery. But anyway, yeah. So really, nineteen years. And you occasionally get students who come back and yeah, and want to yeah, I've say had, thank you. Yeah, they come back and it's just great because then it's uh, then you see your work pay off and you see that harsh advice. And now I'm trying to think of a specific one. Female came back and she said, "Hey, I'm going to the military this summer. Right? Super happy, super excited. I'm like, mm-hmm. that is fabulous. I mean, in you know whatever dreams you had, I, I look at the military as." one of the most honorable things you Mm. could do so kudos to you i've had another one come back and he said i am a truck mechanic okay Mm -hmm. and i couldn't do a big rig truck driving job yet so Mm -hmm. i'm using this as a stepping stone to get there Uh, so he even had the wherewithal that i'm going to start out become uh, a damn good mechanic Mm -hmm. on these tractor trailers Mm -hmm. and then i'll learn that as i go and then eventually i'll be a truck driver which is what my ultimate goal is and that is in their scope and in their range and and they're happy they're completely happy they have a goal is it being a heart surgeon no, but they're now still happy, and they have a place to go, a direction, and it's sure. a viable, real right. one now. Right, right. So, it, right. so it is a win. Yeah, realism has been your theme, it seems like, in a lot of this stuff, trying to neither be an optimist or a pessimist. True. I I think like an optimist, and I try to live like a realist. That's it. We'll clean it up for the bumper sticker. Mm-hmm. So, but, you know, Shorten I, it. The, uh, the, I assume that the kid that comes back is the minority. You know, you, you get a percentage of kids who will actually say thank you. A lot of them may feel grateful later and never tell you. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm sure I've had teachers yeah. who really impacted my life I've never told. True. And uh, so th- those kids, uh, when you're having your tough days, because my wife is uh, now beginning her teaching career, and I keep telling her, hang on to those those ones that actually do tell you that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. For the days when it's all caving in. Yep. So I don't know. Is that is that kind you, of similar for you? It, it is. You get your rewards. They're few and far between. But- they do have a big impact. So for every curse word I get called and <laughs> spit at and kicked and hit and 
staplers thrown at me and garbage cans. Yeah, keep it going. <laughs> this, this is the stuff that other teachers don't have to deal with necessarily. Yeah, you know? I got true story. Sorry for the segue. No. Uh, last week, I got stabbed directly in the face with a completely sharp pencil. Wow. And okay. it went and. I don't know the marks. Heal. It was a perfect yeah. stab, so it wasn't a big mark, but it oh, went okay. all a the way. Perfect stab. <laughs> it was. It hit me right. It for that. Yeah, it hit me in the the cheekbone up near my eye, it, yeah, yeah, and yeah. and it hit me like to the bone. So it, the mark is very little, but it still hurts like a bruised bone. That's how wow. hard I was stabbed. Yeah, yeah. Then I'm thinking my eye was in two inches away that it would have been on a stick. Uh-huh. Like, uh huh. So that's the. So for every one of those. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I get the I get the uh, yeah. kid this summer. I was at Sandcastle with the family, and this large, ripped figure, I look over, oh, looks man. over at me, and all of a sudden I recognized that this was one of my students, and then became one of my wife's students, and he now is a professional football player for the Buffalo Bills. Whoa. So I'm like, hey, we go yeah, great. Yeah, yeah. He remembers me. I remember yeah, him. Yeah. Then he sees his wife, and we're asking, like, I tell him, you're one of the success stories we yeah. brag about. Yeah, cool. And again, I reiterated, like we just talked about, the stuff he used to do. Remember, remember, <laughs> remember what a train wreck you are? <laughs> remember or, when you almost stabbed me in the yeah, eye? Yeah. yeah. Remember yeah. you used to do all this crazy outlandish stuff and he yeah. chuckles i'm like now you're you know you're making six figures and that's wild you're, yeah, you're doing yeah. fantastic so way to go you yeah that's awesome so 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 we can put a bow on this on the teaching stuff i kind of want to transition right. into your own children and your own we, we know how you discipline other people's kids <laughs> um but i kind of want to talk about something interesting that you do with social media Okay. Is uh, and I actually thought this was your wife's idea, and then she said, "No, no, that was Ian's uh, approach." Is that you don't allow your kids to be shown on social media, like they're too young to have their own account, Correct. but but you per you and your wife do not share for the most part pictures of them online, right? And this was your we, no sort of ban. We, yeah, we don't, and we ask that everybody in our circle of trust do the same. So I have to like tell relatives repeatedly, please. Don't do that. I, you know, we, we told you this from the beginning. Right. I don't want this. Even for my youngest one, the day he was born, I had my older son. I had him run in and do the announcements to tell yeah. people, like, there's a new one here. <laughs> I, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. And I said, here's your job. And he walked in, and his statement was, it's a boy. It's Declan. No pictures on social media <laughs> was his line that he rode out, he rode wow. out on his little yeah, horse, yeah, and yeah. he gave everybody that. Wow! And yeah, then he yeah. said, "Wash your hands before you come in." Right. That was right. in statement. order of importance. Yeah, and that was what he did, yeah. and it was for that reason. So I don't because, I mean, there's a couple. Yeah. When did this start? It. This idea, you know, like what what brought this to mind? One was because of the profession I'm in. Mm-hmm. I work with difficult kids, and we talk about some of the good outcomes of the kid, but sometimes there are bad outcomes. Mm-hmm. To be honest, I've worked with, I believe the count's up to 12 now, people that I've worked with that have murdered people. So I also keep those unfortunate numbers that show up on the news yeah. that, hey, I work with that kid. I knew that kid. And yeah. so I've had people that were killed, unfortunately, as students. And I've had students that have killed people. And mm-hmm. I get threatened. I have my life threatened. And sometimes my family's life threatened on almost a daily basis. Probably about two or three times a week. Wow. I get threatened that I'm going to get shot, stabbed, murdered. They'll kill my family. They'll kill my kids. And this is routine. And it is what it is because I work with these trauma kids, and that's the defense. Do I think they're going to do that? 
No, I just take you it. Blow it rolls. A lot it, of them. Oh yeah, it rolls right over, and I, you know, they're hugging me literally three hours later. Right. And that's the honest truth. So, but I, I can't keep that part out of my mind that I have worked with kids that have grown up and done this. I've worked mm-hmm. with kids that mm-hmm. uh, more than one that have murdered their own parents, and that's the straight truth. So. They threaten my kids, and you know, if their mental illness starts winning, and now they're 18 years old, 20 years old, and they still right. have this vendetta or view against me, it's not hard to find out where people live and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And the more information we give them on uh, social media, they could. They said they were going to kill my kids. They, yeah. uh, this, I don't want this to become a, a reality. Mm-hmm. So that's one reason. And even if I didn't have that, and I'm not, I, I'm not holding the same thought process to anybody else because we have the parameters you could put on all your sites you know Mm -hmm. friends public just a couple people just tag some people there are these safeguards in place so i think it's fine that people do this i'm just not that one because if i want just you to see it and i just let you but then you screenshot it and then you send it to other people yeah that's where that fails because we could do that and now it's all of a sudden well I didn't want that out to these people in this group and just for anybody that was a private family moment or whatnot that was special and so it seems like that that kind of leak type stuff happens more than people would like you know the rules around what's private and what's not private get kind of weird because I know I've had pictures of me at parties where I'm in the background like staring off into the distance and then they tag me like as if that's a good photo of me yeah and then that appears on all of my friends timelines like weird stuff like that back in the day Mm -hmm. I'm not on social media anymore but that was the stuff where i thought so even if you're strict on yourself other people could still do this exactly and i started to treat every online interaction as if it was public mm-hmm. at some point i and i told and my wife the best this, way to look at it i told completely. my wife this the other day of like even if you write an email assume that that's going to leak yep. to the world just because it we feels see that. like <laughs> we've seen it it feels like at this point it might and i'm not saying it should and i'm not saying it will but i'm saying it might you so, might like, have to get your server and everything bleached what? like some other folks. <laughs> Tell me more about that later. <laughs> uh, no, but I, I – and I think your wife has even said this because originally when you said, oh, we, we don't put our kids on social media, I thought it was partially because of this. Well, they're going to want a job someday, and there have been people who yep. their social – in fact, I just talked to a potential guest for my show here who said that she had to check with her boss whether it's okay to come on the show because several people she works with have been let go as a result of what they posted on social media. Yeah. So companies are now looking at your social media. It's happened where I work also. There you go. And and if one day your kids are trying to get a job and something you posted forever ago is on there, who knows? Yeah. So you're, you're almost signing them up for something. Anyway. Um, True. They're not old enough to make those decisions. So as a parent, I have to make those decisions. Yeah. yeah. So it, I, I don't know if you had anything else to say about that. But that ban idea I thought was kind of interesting because I don't see it very much. I more see the sharing every moment and every yeah, thing and yeah. getting all of the love back. Oh, they're so cute. Yep. And, and I'm sure that's a very addictive thing. Oh, absolutely. But it does come at the cost of maybe someday this will be in the wrong hands, mm-hmm. whether that be a company or, like you said, somebody with bad intentions. Mm-hmm. And do you do you feel like this should be a class in school is proper social media, or maybe there already yeah, we've is. had this conversation, okay, okay. and there are curriculums currently in place, and so it is definitely moving in that direction. It's not mainstream and the norm yet, but it will be soon. Yeah, because that's the direction we're trying to do it at our school, and other places are are doing it for that reason. I mean, 
man, we talk about maturity and we're talking about adult males now. Research is saying like you're like 25, 26 before you're at your mental maturity. Right. Mm-hmm. And we're, we're having we're having 11 year olds with YouTube accounts. And <laughs> man, if whatnot. I had had a YouTube account. Oh, my goodness. The shameful stuff that I would have put on there that would now be available oh. to the world. I, can, I saw a kid the other day that was recording a Sonic the Hedgehog rant. Okay. And I thought, <laughs> I just got pale thinking, this would have been me. Yeah. This would be out there for everyone to see. Yeah, it's and, a. Uh, that's, <laughs> you you, you just summed it up right you there. You know what I mean? Did you have almost like a little sweating, nervous moment? Yeah, like, yeah, it, like, it could have been just, that real. I'm just the right age where I was out of high school as this stuff was taking off. Yeah. And thank God because the thoughts I had that would have gone public. <laughs> and that and that's something I think we need to allow is for, for kids to be dumb in those ways. Yes. Like there is, a, there is almost we're holding them to an adult standard sometimes. Like you said, you're not even fully formed until you're in your mid-20s. Mentally, I think we have to look in context of well, when did this kid post this? Correct. <laughs> you and the, know what I mean? Yeah. Don't treat it as if it was the you know Freud or whoever yeah. saying this. You know, people people grow just like when jobs either can you or don't hire you because of certain things. Right. I don't always agree with that. Like, who hasn't made bad choices? It's just now right. people know about all your bad choices. I made right. more bad choices than I could ever even recount. Sure. And. I don't know how I turned out. I'm, I'm doing okay, <laughs> and they're not public. But I'm not the person I was in those years. Sure. I've grown the, and matured. Yeah, yeah. But even if you you know, you know see a 17-year-old doing beer bongs and throwing up on uh, video, and it's sort yeah. of like now the kid's out of college going for a job. Like, no, do you see them? This was just five years ago. Well, right. you know how much they've grown in five years? I, I grow week Come to on week. Now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And this, even doing this show has really confronted – when you listen back to yourself and things that you say, uh-huh. you, you realize pretty quickly flaws you have even yeah. in, in the past week or whatever. So – so yeah, I, I think there needs to be grace there, but you can't assume that everybody will. No. So <laughs> so I think what you're doing makes a certain amount of sense with that stuff. Um, People will probably see my kids' baby photos and little kids' birthdays when they're adults because right. they're past that stage, whatnot. And all the pictures you'll see from me in 15 plus years, they'll be throwback pictures of right, my kids. Right, right, right. And they'll be like, oh, they were so cute, but yeah. now they're adults. They're not still <laughs> in there. So I probably will when the time is passed yeah. and I could do damage control yeah. back then. Yeah. So All right. <laughs> so that that's that's a controversial one, but I want to wade into the most controversial one. Hit me. Which is that you you vaccinate your kids. I do. This has become for some reason one of the most difficult conversations. Uh, I will just be upfront and say that I have two friends who I would describe as not anti vax, because I know that's the slang term. But maybe it's, it's a catchy. Let's say they're vax skeptical. Oh, you know that's I mean? even better. You know, they, is that they, yours? I, maybe. I just think it's more accurate. I think they. Back, wait, let's let's get this on record. <laughs> Brad said vax skeptical. Right. I've never heard this, so Sounds I think like you a just coined. Term. Yeah, yeah. I have I have a tear in my vax skeptical. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, they they you know for whatever reason, whether they are concerned about the drug companies being honest or whether they're concerned about side effects, they have skepticism for certain vaccines. And I wouldn't say that they're anti-science or whatever, but I invited those two friends to come on the show and they wouldn't. And I think partially because of the tone of this conversation okay. around this. And I and, and and I know that you and I have no qualms about talking about this, though we are definitely not experts. But we were talking at a party the other day about this. And, and you said, you know, you just you straight up vaccinate your kids and you don't really mistrust any of the vaccines. 
But you did tell me a story about um, flu shots that I thought was kind of interesting. You yeah. kind of had a you kind of had a change of heart with the flu shot. You used to not get them. Yep. Okay. So do you want to talk about that for a second? Yeah, I was always against the flu shot. I never had a flu shot until my firstborn got his first flu shot. And I've even been advised by, in college, I was advised <laughs> by a pretty high up intelligent person from the medical community yeah. who we were giving flu shots away <laughs> at the infirmary. And we're preaching this. This is the freakiest part. <laughs> this of is the this, this is the best part. <laughs> so I'm not going to give out names, yeah, of but this medical personnel individual ran things and was very educated. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't some smuck right. that looked online right. at WebMD. And we're offering this. I'm in charge in grad school of promoting this campaign. Right. As she walks by me, because we we had a pretty good relationship, and she whispers to me. Don't ever get a flu shot. And just kept <laughs> walking. And I yeah, yeah. am now, okay. You had to take that as a joke N- well, at first, I, right? Well, I looked, and then I that it was clearly no joke. And, interesting. Which is interesting, because I've never had one up until that point anyway, so I was uh-huh. on the same page. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, now yeah. I just got you're a stamp of approval. I just got verification. <laughs> right, you so, found the doctor that agreed with you. Yeah, so I'm, okay, not a problem. And I go through, fast forward to I have kids. So now I'm face-to-face with this decision I have to make right now. Now, now it affects somebody else, Yeah, basically. Boom. It is right in my face, and now i got to make a harder decision. On myself, it was pretty easy. Yeah. If I get the flu, I'm pretty you healthy. You can be full of diseases. <clears throat> yeah. And I'm all right with that. <laughs> <laughs> but I look at the doctor, and I said, do you have any kids? And I believe he had two teenage daughters, older. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I said, okay, do you get the flu shot? And he said, every year. Mm-hmm. And I said, do your kids get the flu shot every year since they've been born right and then i said okay i'll get the flu shot because <laughs> Something about him doing it with his kids moved, yeah yeah moved you it, it over does the line a little bit because you could sell what you want but it's interesting are you risking the lives of the people most dearest to you on the planet earth mm-hmm. and that, that's the basis i go you want a benchmark yeah. there it is there's yeah. the benchmark of all benchmarks so yeah. that's why and i do that with every professional now if I go to an auto mechanic and it's, well, you could do this right. or this. Yeah. If it was your car, what would you do? Right. Hey, you need a roof on your house. If it was yours, would you replace it now or would you wait three years? Ah, okay. Uh, yeah, and yeah, you, yeah. you got to be able to That's read people. That's an interesting little test there. Yeah, yeah. you got to read people because sure, sure. some people are flat out liars. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. you got to be, a, I'm, I'm pretty good at reading people. Mm-hmm. And then they say, mm, you could wait three or four years. I okay, gotcha. thank you yeah, for the yeah, honesty. Yeah, yeah. So when he said he did that, now. I'm a little more comfortable mm-hmm. with, with it. Not a lot comfortable because I, I still, yeah. mm-hmm. as far as my thoughts on vaccination with autism and whatnot, the research doesn't support that these vaccinations are causing autism or leaning it in that mm-hmm. direction or whatnot. I have nothing against those people or their views of mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. So it's not like I'm dead set on vaccines and I'm a vaccine person. No, that was just a choice I made. And I made mm-hmm. it on the basis of you have to be somewhat empirical in the decisions you make. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, somewhat. Yeah. It, it's <laughs> it's foolish not to be just weigh, you know, empirical data with a narrative also. If you don't do both, I think you're you gotta do research in people's accounts, people's histories, empirical data, mm-hmm. common sense. So you gotta take all these into account before you make important decisions. And 
it always comes down to risk versus reward. I was going to say, that seems to be where the battle is fought. Yes. And the thing that changed it for me, not to hijack it, but I'll just say I'm, I'm definitely not an expert. And I don't have my own kids, so any view that I have won't affect anyone, basically. So I, I'm free, to, I'm free <laughs> yeah. to have the craziest view and suffer no consequences. But the thing that changed it for me was the comparison to seatbelts. Because when I was a teenager... <laughs> When I was a teenager, I was in a pretty bad car accident where the seatbelt actually caused me to have a bunch of internal injuries. And at the same time, it also saved my life because Mm -hmm. I didn't fly out the windshield. Yeah. But that seatbelt caused a lot of issues. So when somebody compared it to that, I thought that made sense to me Mm -hmm. because it was saying, well, let's, let's assume that there are a lot of side effects to a vaccine. Let's assume that a lot of negative side effects to a vaccine. It's still preventing deaths. Is, yeah. is, is essentially what we're trying to do. And it's interesting now to see some old diseases that are coming back that, that used to kill, you know, two and a half million kids a year or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, like measles or whatever, that are now resurfacing. Mm-hmm. And we never had to think about them in our lifetime. You know, we, we just assume, you know, we just we assume they were assumed it was taken care of, you know. And seeing stuff like that has sort of moved the line for me where I thought, okay, well, it's one of these weird areas where your decision affects others. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's so many areas where it's okay to have just your own opinion and it won't affect anyone. But this one is one of those strange ones where what you do may actually impact the people around you, the people at your school, the people in your neighborhood, yeah. and, and that kind of thing. And so it is, it is risk versus reward, but it is one of those ones I think – when you were talking about when you had kids, how that sort of restarted the conversation in your head. Well, it's fine for me to think this, but now it's going to be my family. Yeah. Do I really want to risk all of them just because I think this? So that, that that's a struggle. But when you see stuff like in Pittsburgh, there was actually some measles cases or whatever. And that starts to get closer to, oh, we're not, we're not messing around. Yeah. And, and a similar thing happened for me with climate change where I, I believed in climate change, but it, my brother was in the hurricane that came through North Carolina and it flooded his house. Yeah. And they talked about how these these storms have picked up because of rising ocean temperatures and things like that. And I just literally saw a direct in-my-face example of he had to move his family out of his home and it got flooded because of this crazy increase in storms. It's no longer hypothetical. It's not hypothetical anymore. And so those kind of things, I think, really confront you up front with, is it just a, you know, because parents are used to making choices for themselves and their families. You know, you're Mm -hmm. allowed to have your own rules on how you discipline, but this is one of those weird places where it extends out yeah. of your family. So, it's a societal issue now. Yeah, so, you know, not not to take up all the time here, but that, that was sort of my journey on it recently, was just watching stuff like that hit more home and think, oh, so it is. And maybe that happened with you with the flu shot. That's why I wanted to bring yeah, up the flu yeah. shot was, you know, it's, you started to see that. Yeah, it's interesting. And like I said, I'm not against the people that view one way or another. I just have to try to be as logical and as rational as I can when I make these decisions. So if somebody says, hey... If you go out that door, there's an 80% chance you're going to die immediately. If you stay in here, <laughs> situations like that. it's like a 20% chance, you know, and then, so what are you going to go with? Right. And it's, I mean, do we have the those, definitive answer, but we have these right, percentages not, that are that lopsided that right. it's saying, well, there is no certain answer to this, but if I get to go by the odds and probabilities and percentages, yeah. well, it, I have to go with the higher one. It's the it could be the wrong one. Yeah. It, you could be in the lower percent. It yeah. could happen. But yeah, intelligence tells me, all right, I got to go with 80%. 
Yeah, and, and I do want to echo what you said. But I don't think the people that are making, uh, like I said, vax skeptical mm-hmm. <laughs> decisions. I don't think they're evil. I don't think they're um, dumb. I just, you know, I think that they're doing the best they can. They're trying to make these decisions. And I, I kind of want to know from you as an educator, how do we improve the conversation part? Like, like I said, two, this specific two, two topic? My, yeah, this topic or when you're trying to teach things to people who don't necessarily want to hear it or, um, you know, you have information you think that they need and they don't want to. I mean, you deal with That's this almost on a daily basis, right? That's, with students. You said the answer. Okay. It's information. If you make a certain decision and it's your conviction, then I want to change it. You want to change my mind, whatnot. The more information you have, the better choices you can make. And I I should preface that with accurate information. Okay. Trying to find accurate information on whatever you're doing. So here I am sitting there telling you my kids get vaccinated and whatnot. That's my stance today. I don't know what the date is, but that's (laughs) today. And... If I read something or there's new studies, say they come up with the results of a longitudinal study tomorrow. I didn't know this study was going on, but they have the results of a 24-year study. Okay, right. And it pops up and it says, whoa, we just found out that vaccinations, actually, we were wrong. I will change my view tomorrow. Why will I change my view tomorrow? I got new information. Right, right, right. But But I also want to say that the information exists out there for a lot of subjects. Yeah. But nowadays, it's very easy to find whatever emotional angle that you want. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. If, if you like this, Google it and you'll find the results. If you like oh, this, yeah, Google yeah. it and you'll f- find the results. So when you believe that you have the accurate information and yes. you're trying to communicate with someone else, because I think parents are in this weird fight over this stuff right now, and that's why I wanted to talk about it, even though you and I are not experts, is mm-hmm. that we're willing to talk about this stuff. What techniques do you have when you're in school? When you have the accurate information, they're wrong, but you need to communicate that in a way that doesn't push them away. Well, there's a few angles I take. Nunchucks? <laughs> Nunchucks, <laughs> rear naked chokes. Oh, my God. Ankle locks. Uh, Are people actually naked in the rear <laughs> naked choke? Because I've heard that term. Not at all. Another podcast. Yeah, another podcast. <laughs> uh, a couple angles I take. One is, again, just like I ask all these professionals what they would do if it were them, I do the same thing. I said, if I were in your shoes, if this was my situation, what I would do with my own kid, I tell them that. Maybe that matters to them. Maybe it doesn't. It shows you're putting your cards on the table. It it is. It it shows that my belief, my conviction is this is at this level. Mm -hmm. That's step one. The other one is I want to know where they're coming from. You're on this side of the fence. It's very strong. Why? Because I don't want to miss something. You know, if I see three of your cards and you're holding five, I don't know what the other two are. So I'm going to ask you what, yeah. so I can see all five of your cards. Like, oh, you have a pair of aces. I didn't know that. <laughs> like now that. The, now the game has changed. Yeah, yeah. I just saw three mismatched cards. I didn't know you had the two aces. Now I know. Yeah. So I ask them where they're coming from, and then maybe that helps me make a better decision. Like, right. like I said, we should always be after more and better and more accurate information. So I try to get that from them. Yeah, if I could give a little wisdom from Marilyn <laughs> Ma- Manson on this issue, <laughs> which I, love, I knew, I knew I you saw that. Yeah, I knew you saw that coming. He was on Letterman when around the time the Columbine thing happened, and they said, what would you say to the Columbine kids? And he said, I wouldn't say a single thing. I would just listen to them. Uh, and I remember thinking, you know what, Marilyn Manson? Brilliant. That's pretty smart. You get so obsessed with what do I say, what do I say, what do I say, that you forget, ask them. Yeah, they might realize they're irrational or they're, or they're 
thoughts come from a different place. Sure, sure, sure. We make we make decisions based on multiple things. So is it factual information, experience, guttural reaction, mm-hmm. uh, the heart, the and I don't blame what people, they want it to be. Yeah. I mean, I don't blame people for being emotional when no. it comes to their children. Yeah, you know, you hear parents say it's like having your heart walking around outside of you and all this stuff. So I can't even put myself in that position. But so you're leading with your example. And you're also listening. My background, my knowledge, my personal touch. Mm -hmm. Then I gather as much information from them and their views and why they think this. And I don't know, maybe we come to a middle ground in between. Or then I have to say, okay, I'm on this side. You're on this side. I need you to be on my side of the fence because it's the right side. Here is why. Now, I have to be ready to present evidence. And now, not only do I have to do that, I have to present it in a manner that gets you buy-in. So if I just throw facts on a table, right. boom, that's yeah. harsh, and it's yeah. that rubs people the wrong well, way. I love, now it's, I love that you didn't lead with the facts. You basically first led with your own personal story, then you moved into the listening part, and now only at the end are you talking about facts. Because that's something I feel like science can be bad at sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, is science is really good at just telling you you're wrong, but not always in a humble way. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's there just should like, always be a narrative it's just like, to go psh. with it. <laughs> yeah, right. Always. So, you know. And I'll give you a quick yeah. quick example of this. Right. Before I had kids 20 years ago, I worked as a behavior behavior specialist consultant where I'd go around into clients' homes and help them work with their kids that had similar behaviors as I do now. And I would have kids that weren't toilet trained. So that's a behavior. I have to right. help change, add, distinguish behaviors. Right. So I say, oh, your kid's not potty trained. You know right. what? I'm going to write out a pretty detailed program for you to follow. And right. I've, in multiple occasions, I presented it to a parent. And their response was, do you have any kids? Oh, okay. I said, right. no. And their response was, well, what do you know about potty training? <laughs> and Good. Boom. Yeah, gotcha. Got, got Rear naked check. Joke. And and then my response was, you're right, I don't have any kids. But I have learned this, <laughs> and I've wrote toileting programs for other families uh-huh. that have been successful. So I have toilet trained other people. And they're pretty edgy, some of these parents. And they say, it's not going to work. We try this, blah, blah, blah. And I said, well, what have you tried? And I get that information. And then I point out... Your son is five and a half years old, and, and they're not potty trained. So what do we have to lose? I mean, what's what's going to be the downfall of this? <laughs> Can't get any worse. Yeah, your kid is five and a half. <laughs> Being and in his own pants. Yeah, and they're not potty trained. So I'm going to explain the process and why it's logical to do it my way. And, right, right. in fact, we could look this up online by other people that have done it long before me. Sure, I'm not sure. reinventing the wheel here. Right, right. I'm stealing the wheel, uh-huh. and I'm showing you the wheel works. So right. now you're humbling I, yourself a little bit and saying it. It's yeah, not yeah. my idea. Yeah. Right. I don't see the con to trying this. Right, right. Some situations have a pro sure, and con, sure, like vaccinations. Sure. Right, right. There is right. a lot on the table. This one is all my direction. And then let's try this for this long. And then we'll revisit and have this conversation again. When I present everything in that fashion, and again, I'm not trying to be combative. I want you on the same page. We have the same goal. You want your kid toilet trained, and so do I. Right. You want it because it's going to affect your life and make your kid's life better. Yeah. And I want it because I generally care about kids and I'm getting paid a decent <laughs> right. amount of money. And I like to do my job well. Right. So we have the same goal and that's where we match up and then we go from there. So that's that's sort of how yeah. how it works. And that's a good ana- analogy too because I think in that situation you have a person who's just concerned about their kids 
and they're going to be pretty uh, strict yeah. with what happens to them and mm-hmm. who, what strangers they let do what to them. And mm-hmm. I totally get all that, you know. And, um, yeah, I appreciate that advice. Is there any parenting controversies that you are passionate about that we haven't covered uh, that you run into with other parents clashing or anything like that that you feel like isn't often addressed? I, I said that was kind of the 800-pound uh, gorilla, that, that one there. And I appreciate you talking about it, but um, sure. You know, I don't know if there's anything else close to home or the other one. Just I don't know if I'm a good parent or a bad parent, average parent, middle of the road parent. I make decisions that some people are like, "Oh, that's really good," and other people are like, "Why do you do that? I wouldn't do that." So I'm not saying anything in regards, but man, taking that realist approach, I give my kids very honest and direct, constructive feedback, mm-hmm. and I have since the day they were born. And, and my wife, too. It's not just me. We never used baby words with our kids growing up okay. because then you have to learn essentially multiple languages. <laughs> so it's when I do goo-goo-ga-ga or I hear people say, you want some more wawa? Uh, and I'm like, oh, it just drives me crazy because <laughs> I say water. And it's like, well, they're seven months old or whatever, right. maybe a little older. But, and I'm like, why would I teach them this is wawa? And then at and some later point— Later you have to correct it, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. So I got to teach them another language. So we've always— Use big words, use that, and I'll teach you what it is. And kids are sponges, so I give them real words, which is my one parenting advice. And both my kids spoke in full sentences and paragraphs at age two. Oh, right. Okay. I remember you had other parents that were that their kids were developing language slower, and they were asking you advice. And I remember your wife even saying, I mean, I don't know. He watches TV. That's the other like, part. It was like TV, uh-huh. which people are like, oh, your kids, some people don't. I grew up watching a lot of TV, and it was the biggest teacher I've ever had. And I am full, even if it's not (laughs) like good, even if it's not good TV. I'm not talking like PBS, whatnot. And that this part puts me probably in a bad category. Because you'll also repeat things on TV, which can be a problem. Yeah, but that's (laughs) that's correctable. Hey, we don't don't say that. This is uh, this is the context you use that. Right. Yeah. And but watch TV. And I mean, it that, we got it. Yeah, that, that one sounds so bad, but I actually have to admit, I, I think that worked for me too. I mm-hmm. was quicker at, at talking and I was quicker at reading, partly, you know, because I was just doing a lot of that, watching TV, reading comics, whatever, you know, growing up. A picture's worth a thousand words. Um, You're getting knowledge exponentially fast. So that and teaching them real words for stuff, and they picked up on it quick, and then they used it. I didn't have to teach them a second language and a third one. You know, my two year old right now, he, he uses some five syllable words. Five syllable words, yeah, and I'm, you said I'm being two completely and a half. honest. That actually surprised me. I mean, I, I'm always bad at recognizing, just looking at mm-hmm. a kid, you know, how old they are since I don't have my own. But, uh, yeah, he, he came busting out whenever we walked in just with full sentences. Hey, guess what? I just made a whole bunch of messes, and my brother's bleeding. And then he smiled, and I was like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, yeah, I would not have guessed uh, two and a half, you know. And I'm not saying, that you know, my kids are overintelligent, and I'm not sitting here to be boastful of right, my sure, kids. Sure. I'm just pointing out. Your advice. That's just one piece, and that's what I contributed. And, and I this, don't let other people. I'm right. like, don't teach them that. Don't do <laughs> like the, for words for bottle. Oh, or right. When, and, when, like this yeah. little words. I'm like, don't do that. Because you do have to combat what other people are trying to, to yeah. do a little bit. I know with gift giving, that was something your wife said. Is you know, it's a constant struggle because other people will just shower them with presents that you don't want piling up in your house. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I've heard this endlessly from every parent. It's yeah. just that you can go in with the best intentions. We're a minimalist house. We got 
wooden toys only, three each. <laughs> and, and by the first birthday, you will have oh. a mountain of plastic in your living room that you'll be tripping over. But so true. That, that, that's, a, that's a tough one. But, um, yeah. but that's awesome, man. Yeah, I, I, I appreciate your time here. Um, yeah, is there anything else that you want to get off your chest uh, while you have the mic? I mean, I think I'm all right. That would right. be a realist to your kids. I like it. Um, with the bookends of the love. That's the other part. For sure. I give them harsh feedback, but then I'm telling them, how proud I am of the other, as we were fencing before, right as you got here, before mm-hmm. we got Parker and I were fencing <laughs> yes. with the foam swords from five below, because he takes fencing class and we were having that. a battle. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. <clears throat> sometimes he wins, sometimes I win, and he gets really upset, but right. it's, you did good here, this is what you did wrong, this is why I got you. There you go. You need to fix this, so. A realistic yeah. sandwich with loaves of love bread. That, oh. Slices. That's quite the visual. <laughs> okay. Well, thanks, Ian. I appreciate it. I right, thank you. Thank you.